Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Friends, let us now take a time out of our day to be honest, to confess our sins to God and to one another. Let us pray. God, we are broken, especially when we want to say that we aren't broken, God, we need you. We need you when we mess up, when we hurt, when we hate, when we exclude, when we covet, when we get jealous, God. We are broken people. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the ways that we mistreat one another, that we mistreat this land, and that so often we do it in your name. God, hear our confessions and restore to us the joy of your salvation. Hear our silent prayers. hear the good news. God's grace is larger than our mistakes. God's grace reaches beyond our failings, beyond our sin, and welcomes us back into communion, into covenant, into relationship. The good news is that we have been forgiven. We are called to forgive. We are loved, called to love. Let us live in peace with God and with one another. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey, Downtown Church. This is Wes and Megan Hickman. Hope y'all are doing well this Sunday. It's been almost 12 months since we've seen a lot of you, and we are blessed to report that we are both healthy and have been doing well. 
Most Sundays, you can find me and Wes rolling in to worship on the lawn with our masks and our Gamecock tailgate chairs. I will tell you, though we are not in the same boat, we are all weathering the same storm. And we have been enormously grateful for all the options to worship that Downtown Church has provided. For us, it has been a real delight to find God on the outside lawn in nature every Sunday, and we are so grateful to have had that opportunity. The session along with uh, Dawn and Lucas, we're so excited to announce the plans uh, to return uh, to an indoor-outdoor worship in the round on Easter Sunday, and we hope to see all of you there bright and early on uh, Easter morning. enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. As we continue our reading of texts concerning covenants this Lenten season, we now come to Psalm 51, a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him. Hear now God's word to us today. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me, and you desire truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a generous spirit. Friends, this is the word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Title of today's sermon is Time Out. Y'all, I used to get in trouble. I used to get in trouble a lot. As the youngest of three children, I liked to show off. I craved the admiration of others and did whatever I could to be the center of attention. But I would always take things too far and end up sitting in time out. This happened a lot on beach vacations with my older cousins and grandparents. At this beach house, there was this little nook tucked away upstairs where a single chair could fit and face the wall. That was the time out chair. 
Some of y'all troublemakers know what I'm talking about and can probably pinpoint in their head the timeout chair or room or closet. Yet that chair became somewhat comforting. It was a contemplative sanctuary of sorts. I'd always go kicking and screaming, fired up about something that had upset me, and then be forced to sit quietly and think. Time out became a holy time of holy transformation. And as someone who is still routinely and constantly in need of transformation, maybe I need to bring back time out. Maybe we all should. And when we as adults go to time out, we can sit and read this psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Or if that's too long and hard to remember, we can recite a prayer of the 5th century Desert Fathers. It's as simple as this. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the point of time out in, in my family was first a punishment and to immediately remove me from the situation while I was causing harm and distress. But it served another purpose in that it gave me an opportunity to realize where I had messed up so that I could mirror the words of the psalmist saying, I know my transgressions. And picture little bowl cut Lucas, guns ablazing, squealing and shouting, You're the worst mom ever. This is so unfair. I hate you. I wish I wasn't a part of this family. These words might sound familiar. And then, after two minutes sitting in this antique wooden chair, staring at nothing but sheetrock and wallpaper, I would eventually come to the realization that. Maybe throwing the entire Monopoly board across the room after losing was a bit uncalled for. And it took me time out for me to say, I know my transgressions. And since I definitely have not grown out of messing up, maybe I should bring back time out. Every Tuesday morning at 7.30, I've engaged in a time out of sorts. It's time out of my busy life to sit with members of downtown church to discuss James Cone's book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. In this book, Cone wrestles with the dark history of racism within the church and the indifference white Christians had towards lynching in America. He reveals the irony of how Christians can go to church and worship Jesus who hung from a lynching tree of sorts and turn a blind eye to the racial terrorism that happened for over 200 years here in the land of the free. In our conversation, one of the participants spoke about his visit to the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama. 
This memorial serves to educate about America's history of racial violence, to acknowledge and honor the lives of the over 5,000 souls killed in lynchings, and to look forward towards building a more just and equitable future. Historian Richard Bailey, who gives tours at the memorial, said in an interview, there can be no reconciliation without acknowledgement. There can be no forward movement towards justice until we understand the unjust and evil places that we as a country have been. In a way, we all might need a time out, and Psalm 51 might be adapted to say, For we know our transgressions, for our sin is before us. And I know what some of y'all might be thinking. I didn't come to church today to feel bad. I'm tired of being told that I'm doing something wrong or that I did something wrong. People are just too sensitive today, and I'm sick of feeling guilty. But if that's how you're feeling, stay with me. Because I believe guilt is a good thing. Guilt moves us forward. Guilt told me that next time I lose a monopoly, I shouldn't throw a fit. Guilt tells us that we as a nation can do better. Guilt tells us that we need to change our rhetoric surrounding COVID-19 and address racial violence targeted against Asian Americans. No one can make us feel guilty. Rather, guilt is an emotion that comes from within us. It's a recognition of things that need to be addressed. It comes when we realize that we are ripe for transformation, that we are ready to move forward following the teachings and examples of Christ, that we are open to the continual reconciliation with God and with one another. It's fair to say that the original context of this psalm was written in guilt. Tradition tells us that King David, an incredibly flawed human, wrote this prayer after a pretty monumental mistake on his part. In 2 Samuel, while David is king, he is hanging out on the roof, and he peeps and sees a woman he likes. Her name is Bathsheba. And he spends some time with her and then realizes that Bathsheba is a married woman. And she's married to Uriah. And Uriah, who we learn from Scripture, is a faithful and honorable husband, soldier, and servant. So David, using his power, intentionally sends Uriah to the front lines of the war he is fighting so that Uriah dies and David can take Bathsheba as his wife. Then comes this character, Nathan. And Nathan, is, he's the prophet and counsel of King David. He tells it like it is. But he is wise and, and crafty in doing so. And so he entertains David with a story. It's a story about a rich guy who has a ton of sheep and a lot of resources, and then a really poor man who only has one sheep and is barely scraping by. And a hungry traveler comes up to the rich one and says, hey, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? The rich man says, well, no, not from anything I own, but he takes the poor man's only sheep, kills it, and serves it to the traveler. 
Hearing this story, King David gets angry at the injustice and says, this guy deserves to be punished. Nathan says, David, that man is you. David says, I have sinned against the Lord. And then he gives us Psalm 51, a confession to God. I wonder if David had a nice wooden chair and some grandma's wallpaper to sit while he was writing this prayer. A beautiful aspect of this psalm is not only the raw honesty, but the movement and change of David. The psalmist does not wallow in sin or invite others to some kind of pity party for his mistakes. Listen to these cries from David as he is brutally honest. Have mercy on me. Cleanse me. But then he moves to teach me wisdom. Let me hear your joy and gladness. Create in me a clean heart. Do not cast me away. Restore me. Sustain me. It begins with confession, but it ends in reconciliation. It begins in death and ends with resurrection. Each time we confess, we are invited to participate in the resurrection, to bring about a restoration of our covenants with God. And the beautiful thing is that this psalm is less about the character of humanity and more about the character of God. It's about God's steadfast love, about God's abundant mercy. Last week, Charles reminded us that God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And weeks before, with dawn, we were reminded that God's love and God's promises to us are not conditional on us being perfect. And here we are being challenged by what I think is the most important factor in growing in relationship and covenant with God. And that's honesty. It's the honesty exhibited by Nathan in calling out David for his abuses of power. It's the eventual honesty of David when he realizes that he done messed up. And even the honesty of a grimy, squealing little child sitting in a wooden chair who comes to terms with the fact that he needs to apologize. And before we get defensive saying, I don't need to apologize, might we remember Paul's words to the Romans saying, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We all need to confess. We do it every Sunday. I'd love to meet the person who's never sat in timeout. Confession is not a sign of weakness or even a lack of faith, but rather it is one of the most faithful things that we do. Because confession invites transformation. Confession, confession brings us closer to God. It brings us closer to each other. The best part of Time out was when my mom or dad would poke their heads up the stairs and say, all right, Lucas, you can come out now. It's like the words of the father to the prodigal son saying, welcome home.
It's like the cry of Jesus from the cross saying, Father, forgive them. It's like God as a tagger in kick the can, calling out to all of us hiding in our shame, hiding in our utter brokenness. Ali, ali, oxen free. Ali, ali, oxen free. Come on out. There's no need to hide. Be with me and I will restore you to the joy of my salvation. And I will sustain in you a generous spirit. In the name of the Father, the Mother, the Creator, who always welcomes us back downstairs after time out. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Having confessed our sins, having heard the word read and proclaimed and listened to that beautiful response, we now come to a time of Holy Communion. And like it has been all throughout this pandemic, it it is different. We sit at tables that are different than what we might expect, but still we gather just the same. We gather to a table where Christ sits where Christ gathers us, where there's always enough room, there's always enough to eat, to drink. There's laughter, there's crying, there's thought, there's diverse conversation. And there's Jesus at the head. Friends, welcome to this table. Grab whatever you might need. Grab some wafers, some bread, some juice, some wine, and set this table, knowing that God that Jesus is with you, and he's with us all. Let us pray. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right, God, to give our thanks and praise to you, our Savior, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. Each day, God, you give us the strength to wake up, to move throughout this world. We give you thanks for your son who decided to come and walk this earth, to live among us, to talk with us, to teach us, and to eventually break bread with us and walk up that Calvary Hill and die so that we might all have eternal life with you. God, we praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place, who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And here's now as we pray the prayer your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when Jesus would be betrayed, 
He gathered his friends, his disciples, for a meal in an upper room. After the meal, he, he had them all together and he said, taking the bread, this is my body. This is my body and it is broken for you. Whenever you eat of this bread, remember me. In the same way, he, he held up a cup and he poured out wine into it and he said, this cup holds the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Whenever you drink from this cup, remember me. Friends, as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup together, we proclaim boldly Jesus' salvation for not just us, but for this world until he comes again.
Confession, y'all. It's important. It's important enough that maybe we should all take a time out of our day to realize where we might ask for forgiveness, where we might be open to transformation, and where we might be able to follow God and Jesus more fully, authentically, and with more love. So friends, go out into the world, and love God, and love people. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me give. Special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Sean Thompson, Xander Bose, Jackson Haynes, and Clay Williams. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. A Long Way Home by Duran Jones and the Indicators. Gloria Patry by City Hems. Have a Little Faith in Me by John Hyatt. And How Can I Keep From Singing by Eva Cassidy. Music is covered under the license CCS 11209. Scripture is quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde. 